Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm, the absolute best and easiest way to host your podcast and get paid for it by running ads just like these. And take it from me, I've hosted at least seven of my podcasts on Anchor.fm. I recommend it to every show on our network. And other hosts are going to charge you upwards of $100 every year just to run your podcast on their host. Anchor.fm does it for free. So go check out Anchor.fm for more information. Robots Radio presents... The Cyberpunk Lorecast. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the Cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robot. Hey there, cyberpunks. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, back for another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. And this week, I've been doing a, a, a solid number of interviews, and this week is another interview episode. And don't worry, I will be getting back to some of the background in the lore, some of the stuff that you guys have come to expect from the show. But I've had a lot of really cool opportunities to talk with some people who have been doing some more things in the cyberpunk world, getting ready for cyberpunk 2077. And this episode is going to be no different because this week I have with me the GM for baby beard media's roll to cast podcast, where they play cyberpunk red and they've played other cyberpunk games and other, other tabletop RPG games. Uh, Phil, Phil, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going really well. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you could join us uh, or join me, us, the, the royal us, the royal we. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and you're you're coming all the way from Australia, which is very cool because I'm over here in the states. Um, how how are things? Yes. How are things in Australia? I know it's winter for you guys. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's it's a bit fresh this morning. I have to say, I, I'm rugged up. I've got my coffee. I've got my got my warm socks on. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're in the balmy ninety plus degree Florida weather where I'm at. Um, so oh, you're in Florida. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you're staying safe. Yeah. Yeah. Florida's kind of like the Australia of the United States. You know, we've got things like alligators and snakes and stuff and spiders. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so I, I've been listening to some of your Roll to Cast podcast, and you guys, I know, are playing Cyberpunk Red, which is kind of a big deal because it isn't really out yet. And yes, I would love for you to give some of our listeners a little bit of background in what you've been doing on that show. And um, just tell us a little bit about the show and what you've been doing so far. Uh, sure thing. Um, so we're we're a group of um, out of work actors in sleepy little Adelaide in Australia, um, and there's not a huge amount of work for for people us, like us down uh, down under. So we we started making podcasts, and um, as actors, we thought you know RPGs would be a great fit. So last year, we decided we we're going to put together um, a TTRPG podcast that was going to use you know, our acting chops and, and put some real 
production value, sort of an audio drama feel to it. And uh, around the time we were gearing up to do this, um, this amazing 40-minute trailer came out um, for, for 2077, and I, I was blown away, as I know a lot of people were. Yeah. And I started looking into it, and, oh, my gosh, this, looks, this comes from a, from a role-playing game, a tabletop role-playing game from the 80s. And we, we could play this. We could play this as our first game. So uh, I, I got hold of the books, started reading it, fell in love with the world, fell in love with the whole kind of system and, and uh, attitude of the books. And, yeah, we put together this season and um, we had a ton of fun making it. We had someone do a soundtrack. It was really wicked. Um, and then um, Arcel Saurian really dug it as well. Nice, and that was the, that was yeah that was the biggest kind of vindication for us. So they they seemed really keen on it. They liked the characters and and what we'd done with it. And yeah, when when it came around to to uh, Red, we got this wonderful opportunity through through Jay, who you've who've spoken to yourself, right? Yeah, to have this look at not just the Jumpstart Kit, which everyone's had a bit of an access to for about six nine months now, but an actual look at the the beta rules for the game um, and see what we could do with the full rule set. And that's what our current campaign, a few episodes in, is running. It's, it's in the full rule set of Red, um, which is just such an amazing opportunity. And it's really, really fun. And I think uh, people are going to be, especially, you know, tabletop role players are going to be really um, excited to see the final rules and really happy with what's been added since the Jumpstart kit as well. Yeah, so you guys have kind of an exclusivity thing going on here because there aren't a whole lot of people out there who have been able to test or, you know, get to play this ahead of the release. Um, that's kind of a big I deal. Think a few people have since us. Uh, they've said, hey, can we have a look as well? Yeah. And, and I think Arthur Sorin have been nice enough to like to reach out to a few more people in the community and let them in as well, which is super great. Um, but yeah, it is it is quite a privilege to be able to um, have an early early peak. Yeah, that's very very cool. So, um, can you uh, share a little bit about the the background of your world and the what the campaign is dealing with in your your in your specific adventure? In in red or um, uh, in your twenty twenty? Yeah, it, well, in your um, in the the podcast. Like, well, the, yeah, the current campaign. one is called Feed, Feed the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's set in the, the Red World, which is in 2045, which is this, you know, a bridging era between the 80s, set, the 80s game set in 2020 and the new video game in 2077. And the world's really, really different. It's, um, uh, it's still Night City, but it's been shattered by a nuke and everything's sort of rebuilding. Everything's up in the air. So, um, my campaign, I, I decided to sort of carve out a space in this rebuilding city. So it's based around this sort of anarchist commune, I guess you'd call it, um, that have taken over an old abandoned skyscraper and try to sort of make it into a sort of self-contained, self-sufficient um, uh, kind of commune for, for punks, for people who want a better world away from the corporates. But the main problem uh, is food. And so Feed the Beast is, is um, at least it starts off being all about, you know, trying to get 
the biosecurity sorted by stealing, you know, bioengineered seeds and and kind of uh, robbing from biotechnica, you know, taking from the rich to feed the people. That's kind of the the setup uh, to the campaign. And then there's a few. I don't want to give up, give away too much. It's coming up, but. The, uh-huh. the scope of the story sort of expands from there. I've included some stuff from the old net and, and stuff like that. Cool. So, so is the beast, do we know who the, I mean, is the beast, the, the commune or is the, is that like symbolic of oh, something the, else or is that something we can't talk about yet? Oh no. Uh, so feed the beast is like a phrase that people use to talk about the sort of relentless, uh, rapacity of, of, of capitalism that it has to be constantly fed and has to constantly grow to survive. So it's sort of like a, uh, a play on that and a play on the idea of the, the fact that what kicks off the campaign is this kind of search for food. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, from your own experience and uh, was, was doing a cyberpunk playthrough on the podcast your first time of doing cyberpunk? at all or had you played cyberpunk uh, before that so we did like a couple of little like test sessions mm-hmm. um but it was um playing 2020 last year was my first proper time playing playing the game uh and playing a campaign in it so i'm, I'm fairly f- fresh to the community i didn't really know about the whole cyberpunk world in terms of art story and specific cyberpunk world uh until you know early last year yeah yeah so did you have more of a background in dungeons and dragons or other tabletop games uh yeah so i've played a variety of things uh, I'm, I'm one of those people who sort of came into role playing as as an uh adult um i think it's kind of similar to to jay he came on our show as well and he talked about how no one wanted to he didn't find any role players where he was uh growing up and i had a sort of similar thing and then yeah me when too. I was a grown I'm, up, I, I'm in that yeah. i'm in that group as well yeah it's sort of it's it's a great activity for grown-ups i think you can have a bit more of a kind of serious fun um but yeah i cut my teeth on kind of fourth edition dd and and now i run a fifth ed game but i've also played some world of darkness stuff uh i've played some obscure things like uh the burning wheel and uh, exalted that people might know about i'm a real big fan of the 40k role-playing game uh, uh dark heresy very very brutal has has a has a few similarities in combat to cyberpunk actually so yeah i I, i'm one of those people who just really likes different systems and worlds and and is really keen to sort of see how they how they play yeah yeah so for somebody who is coming to cyberpunk from uh from not just like a, a video game background but somebody who is familiar with dungeons and dragons because that's kind of the big tabletop rpg right that's the yeah what the 800 pound gorilla in the room that kind of thing yeah um, for sure when when you when you made the transition from dungeons and dragons some of these other games to cyberpunk what were did what were some of your takeaways what were like how did that experience differ obviously the setting the character classes some of the mechanics are different but um, do do you have any like insight into things that somebody else doing something similar should expect in making that jump? Um, yeah, I, I, particularly twenty twenty is a extremely unforgiving, uh, a kind of quite brutal game. 
uh, both mechanically and in its world. And I think it encourages you to play it that way. And, and Maximum Mike is, uh, has his Mike Pondsmith is known for, for absolutely destroying his players uh, killing them without remorse, <laughs> right? And I think that's <laughs> that sort of like feeds into the the some of the philosophy of the game, which is you know take no quarter and just you know let the mistakes have consequences. Whereas I think people in playing D and D, you know, there's there's a tendency to you know fudge the roles a little bit and don't TPK your party, even if they do something a bit silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 cyberpunk 2020 is all like no like if they get complacent steal their stuff break into their house you know yeah uh, you know if they get shot they that's it they're bleeding out you know don't don't give them any um any quarter at all and one thing i find kind of interesting they change this for red but in 2020 the gm is actually referred to as the referee so it's more of a kind of impartial kind of outside look at it yeah so i thought that was very interesting yeah because a well a dungeon master or a game master is has more of a sense of like the hand guiding behind the scenes like the Mm. creative force in the world you know the master of the universe yeah yeah Yeah. but a referee is very much a you know uh somebody who's just observing what's happening and and calling the shots as it goes they're not necessarily guiding Mm. it yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, perspective difference, even just in the name. It's reflected in in the system as well, which is like a like a a one d ten system, unlike the d twenty of um, of d and d. And that means you get your ones and your tens that much more often. So you get your failures and your criticals yeah. happen a lot more often. So it's yeah. quite swinging in that way. Right, ten percent of the time instead of five percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting, interesting. So, do you have any specific stories of some uh, some of these instances when something has, has happened, where where, uh, for example, things have kind of gone off the rails, or the players, the player characters have just completely blown it, and you just had to go, well, well all right, here you go, this is what happens. <laughs> well, I, I do encourage people to to listen to uh, Going Mainstream, our twenty twenty campaign. Um, so without giving too much away, there are casualties, um, uh-huh. there are casualties to some of the characters. So, uh, yes, I can say they definitely, <laughs> they definitely screwed up in some ways, uh, cause they didn't actually make it to the end of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what, in the concept of a podcast, that's kind of interesting because now you have an actor without a character. Did you work them in, in, in a new role? Did they take over another, uh, an NPC that had showed up before? How did, how did you accommodate for that? We did almost the opposite to that. Um, so this wasn't really talked about beforehand. Um, we all, all we agreed that is that if someone died, that would be it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't come back. It would make it feel a bit more final. Yeah. But what ended up happening was a bit extra. Was um, when the character died, the actor uh, basically turned off the mic and left, and you you literally don't hear from them again. They are they are gone. Wow. So we tried to to go the other way and give it like even more weight even more finality um, like that, yeah, that actor right. is no longer on the show <laughs> like it's just that's done. right yeah wow and i think we can do that because we did we we try to do these kind of self-contained stories because we come from a, a theater background 
um, or an acting background. We want to make a story with, you know, the beginning, middle and end. And it has kind of a, a finality to it, a completeness to it. Not, it's not to say that it's, that's like a bad thing on, you know, kind of serialized shows that, that go on like a, like a D and D podcast might, but for us, that's the kind of style we wanted to do. And so that could afford us saying, you know, this character's dead and they're out. And that's fine because, you know, the actor's going to come back for the next season when we're playing vampire or something else. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which you have, you've gone, you've gone back and forth between different games. Um, yeah. Including, yeah, including vampire. To, <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we have a, we have a very experienced vampire storyteller. So um, we thought it would be a bit of a, a silly thing not to tap that resource. Right. So if anyone's interested in checking out your stuff, then definitely take a look at the different seasons of the, the show and the different games, the different campaigns they've been going through. Cause there's, please do. We're, we're trying yeah. to keep it as diverse as possible. We've got, um, a, a version of Call of Cthulhu in the pipeline that, that not sure when that's coming. It's sort of a work in progress and we're looking at playing, uh, kids on bikes next as well. So we're really trying to keep the flavor quite different. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, man, doing a lot of those different campaigns all in one, uh, one podcast. I mean, that's, you know, obviously you have to, at least so far you've been keeping to a campaign and then finishing it and then moving on to a new one. Um, do you ever see yourselves kind of doing two at the same time or doubling up? Um, we have thought about that actually. Um, yeah. If we sort of have one kind of finished in the pipeline, we thought maybe, maybe we'll just, if it's ready, we'll just start putting it out. Uh, we're still fairly early in the process and, and we do, quite a as i said before slightly kind of audio drama focused which means um the editing process uh, is quite intensive yeah. it takes a while so right. we're not sort of in a rush to get multiple seasons out simultaneously at the moment we rather kind of make sure each season's really tightly edited it's got good sound effects we've got you know that soundtrack in there that's fitting um, just right that sort of thing so that's more of our focus than sort of just pumping out content Sure. Sure. Yeah. So let's get back to cyberpunk. I'm, I'm interested in, um, for those people in our audience who are familiar with 2020, what are some of your big takeaways, uh, for the differences, not just in the world, but like the mechanics of the game from 2020 to red. Uh, there are loads of really, really good improvements between 2020 and red. Uh, I, I thought there was, um, uh, a few kind of odd quirks to the 2020 system and, Pretty much all of those have been ironed out. Okay. The combat's more have, streamlined. And yeah. Do you have some specific stream? examples? Uh, so one major one that trips people up with 2020 all the time is armor. Armor has this really weird kind of layering system where it's sort of additive, but not completely that sort of thing. And that's sort of a way to kind of stop you just putting on eight armor jackets and being invincible. Sure. Right. Whereas in, in red, it's just, you have armor and you can't layer it. It has, a, it has a value and, and, and that's it. So that's really, really much more streamlined, much better. Nice. And I think the one that's really going to excite people, um, and something I tried to include in feed the beast as much as possible is net running huge, huge difference in net running between 2020 and red. And that's both law for law reasons and mechanics reasons. Um, we talked with Jay in a little interview and he, he talked about some of the rationale behind that and, and that being that they don't want net runners sitting at home on the couch plugged into their cyber decks. It just doesn't, doesn't fit with the kind of the communal role-playing feel. Sure. Yeah. So instead in, in red, the, the interconnected 
web, the net, doesn't really exist anymore. It's there, but it's it's dangerous. So instead, everyone has these kind of localized computer networks to run things. And so the net runner has to be on site with the rest of the party next to the control node, you know, yeah. jacked in while in order to, bullets are flying around the party. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that, that tracks a lot more with what we're seeing in something like 2077. Yes. Yeah, and I think some of those themes are going to carry on. We've seen little glimpses of Netwatch and uh, and things like that in in the the trailers and, and things. So I definitely think the the old net and net security and net running is going to be some part of the twenty seventy seven story. I hope it is anyway. Interesting. So when it comes to twenty seventy seven, do you have? Um, uh, I, I guess I, I let's come at this from from an experience of having played red and understanding mm. a little bit more about the world in the, in the 2040s. Um, do you have any, I don't know, any really strong feelings about where you think things are going to go in 2077? Cause you have a little bit more, I don't know, hands-on experience with kind of the direction the series is going as it moves mm. forward through time. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in 2077? Well, I, I think it's it's really interesting to see what the time gap has done between 45 and 77. As I say, in 45, the city is almost in ruins. Like, the city centre has been hit by a nuke. It's uninhabitable. It's called the hot zone. Um, and the Night City has been sort of left to its own devices. The kind of coalition of states around it have kind of pushed it aside. But everything we see from the trailers in 2077 is this city that's very much alive, very much vibrant and happening and back on its feet. Yeah, rebuild. So what I'm really interested to see is, is what has kind of filled that power vacuum. You know, are Arasaka back? Have they, are they back openly or are they back in secret you know what what has taken this valuable uh kind of asset of night city itself and sort of made it made it their own is it the corporations again i really want to know what what happened in those intervening years because red leaves us in this really influx state uh in terms of the world building and um yeah that there's there's that gap is so is so interesting to to fill in your imagination. I'm really keen to see what they've done in terms of the game. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, of course, we're all poring over every little bit of bit of information they put out, every yeah. little video, every little every little thing. Um, uh, what are your impressions of some of the uh, some of the gameplay they've shown and some of the conversations and things? Well, the thing that was that was really encouraging, I guess, was to to see all the journalists go. Yeah, we, we think it's probably worth the hype. Actually, yeah, I think <laughs> it's probably going to live up to the hype. So, yeah, just don't worry. It's it's going to be okay. That was really reassuring. I mean, <laughs> right. it's not as it's not you know concrete information about what's in the game or how it feels, you know, but it just just the kind of all the, all the journalists, you know, skill up and and people that that I follow just saying, actually, yeah, it's going to be worth the wait. Uh, that's the thing that, that's gotten me the most excited. Um, you know, I, I, I do, I do. I'm keen to know more about, you know, is it a free open classing system? What 
kind of agency do you have over V's path through the story? Like mm-hmm. th- those are the things I want to know a bit, bit more about, um, you know, how is, is it a bit more like, a, like the Witcher where, you know, Geralt is Geralt and you, you have a few paths about right. what, what happens, but he's still the same character. Is that the same with V? They're very much a character, but you, you tweak things a bit, things about the story, or do you have more of an agency to kind of decide what, what happens in the world? I'd be fine either way, but I'm really curious about what yeah. they've gone with. Yeah, yeah. My, my sense of it is that it is more uh, flexible than something like The Witcher, because in The Witcher, you're starting with a, a character that, I mean, at least if, if you've read the books, you're familiar with. You, you have kind of, yeah. you have to live up to something that's already been established. But with V, you have a character that's completely, you know, art, it's, an, it's a completely an RPG. It's dependent on whatever the, the player makes. I mean, you definitely have other mm. people in the world and other characters that are recurring from the series that are showing up again or are related to characters that have been in the series um, mm. and, and new NPCs and things like that. But my sense is that they're trying to keep this as, as open as they can while still being able to tell a cohesive story, which is a, yeah, I a think, difficult I think- balance. I definitely, I think so. I, I think they've probably closed off a few things that you could probably do in, in the RPGs. Like, I don't think you're going to be a, a corporate. I don't think you, you could build V as uh, as a corporate insider mm-hmm. who is kind of using their corporate clout to change the world, which is something you you, you can do to agree to a yeah. degree. In well, it is one of the it is one of the lifestyles that you can start out with. Uh, is the, the is corporate it? the corporate background? Yeah. I miss so them. yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. so this is so this is some really interesting stuff. They have they've announced, of course, the three classes that you can choose from or mix and match potentially. I, I'm not 100 percent mm. sure how that works. Um, but there's also uh, life. Uh, I forget what they're called. But you can either start life, path? life paths. Maybe is what they're called. That's um, what they're called in the RPG. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're called the same thing. Um, and. In, in 2077, you're either starting as a street kid, a nomad, kid, yeah. or a corporate. And all of the stories, at least for mm. the introductory yeah, first few hours, kind of, they, they start in different places, and then they all dive, they all kind of come together at a certain spot, and then the game goes from there, and of course diverges again, and depending on your decisions, at least that seems to be yeah. the impression that I've gotten. So yeah, so you could totally start as a corporate and have connections in Arasaka, and the people know you uh, in the company, um, and then of, of course things go sideways, and you know things change, and you decide you're, to do what you're going to do. Actually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, okay, that, that 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 puts paid to what I was saying. There. Right now, I, I don't know if that means throughout the rest of the game. And, and I, here, the, some of the things I do know is having that life background will affect some of the dialogue options, some of the things that happen in the game. But I don't know to what extent. You know, like I, I don't yes, know if yeah. there is an opportunity to call on some of your corporate connections who are you know still you're still okay with in order to help you out on a future mission. Like, I, I don't know if that's a thing or if maybe you'd it's, like to think so. Right. It seems like yeah. it would be a, a, uh, like an obvious choice to go, to go with like, you know, having your origin, giving you a few little. Right. Or, or maybe it's line. just, you know, you're more aware of what the passwords are in order to hack into a system. You know, like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, you know, like you're more familiar with the layout of a 
specific building because you used to work in it or if it means that like you you were best buds with the R&D department guy and so you get you know access to uh, weapons or people to come help you out in, in one of the missions like I, I don't know what extent that is but I can imagine mm. you could make that any of those things depending on the way the story goes and how you want to tell the yeah. story right uh, same, same way that you could you know if you were a nomad maybe you can call on some backup from some fellow nomads for a mission where you have to uh, you know head off a you know a, a shipment of something across the desert you know like it would make yeah. sense if you were a nomad that you might have the resources to do that so um yeah they've put, they put all sorts of wonderful stuff like that in in red so i i really wouldn't surprise me that if that uh is is part of the the life path stuff in 2077 so that's another thing in in red that they've really expanded from 2020 is the class abilities um and just 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 as you mentioned nomad and, and vehicles that's that's pretty much their class ability is that they can call on the family and and they can have a couple of cars that they have access to and as they level up they can add different they can either get more cars or they can add you know spikes guns armor and stuff to their cars yeah so, dude, dude playing guitar uh, on the front in front of like a 10 10 yeah, that's amps right, with that's fire right. blowing out the sides <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you know the rule of cool my style of gming i'll be like i'll allow it yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if you can do it in a mad max movie then sure why not <laughs> yeah i'm interested as well you talk about you know the desert and stuff i you, i know people aren't they've been releasing some pictures of the badlands and outside the city and people aren't as excited as night city but for me i think it really adds you know an extra layer of of supporting material to the world you know that that you can leave the city and it, it feels like it's in a real place yeah oh yeah yeah and it doesn't have some sort of uh i don't know ridiculous boundary to the city you know like it would be silly to you know like well w what happens if i keep going this direction and it's like sorry there's a wall there you know like, yeah sorry. like it's the a city right it's a city <laughs> yeah. people come and go from the city all the time that's how cities work you know like <laughs> yeah and they and and what they've done is uh, what mike has done when he made it is is he placed the city in a real place it's in morrow bay yeah uh halfway between um uh, la and san francisco i think i'm getting my geography correct that sounds, that sounds um, right yeah Right, yeah. So it's this place he was driving past, and was like, "Oh, it would be a good place for a city." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so, it, so it has has a real kind of a real world place to exist, even though it's this this fictional city in this alternative future. Uh, and I think you know, letting us go outside the city and and get out a little bit into California is going to give give that sense a bit more to players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I it gives it more of a, a sense of place. Um, we get out into into California in our in our campaign as well. I wanted to get out and show a bit of kind of California, what it's what it's like in these kind of interim years as well. Okay, so how did you do that? So what what happens in your campaign? Oh, now you're trying to get for, well, for spoilers. Well, uh, just no, like, no, but they, some flavor. Like, is there uh, maybe not necessarily like plot spoilers, but like, what, what did you what did that mean? Like, what did that look like? So, um, they, there's a sort of cascading, I, I tried to sort of be, make it a bit of a tour of, of various locations in the red world. Um, so after they, they head into the heart of the city, they get some info about, uh, an old kind of research site, uh, out in the, 
what's it called? The the Great Valley in California, which is sort of, you know, America's breadbasket, which kind of goes with the the food themes of mm-hmm. of, of the campaign. And, you know, Biotechnica are out there doing research and they they know that there's some real valuable stuff out there they could, they could get hold of and 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 uh, help their people. So they actually head out to um, to Fresno, uh, and uh-huh. and uh, that that features in in the part, last kind of part of the campaign. Uh, and so that gave us a chance to sort of meet some nomads in one of the satellite towns. There's some really cool stuff about uh, how the nomads are sort of reclaiming all the uh, abandoned towns in rural America. And so we got to explore that as well. So That's cool. yeah, it was my, yeah. it was, it was a bit of a chance to kind of see what's, what's happening in, in America outside of the cities in, right. in 45. Right. Are you worried you don't have all the answers? Have you ever found yourself in an internet rabbit hole? Call Call Mystery Mystery Time Time Live today! It's a new detective business. With plenty of heart. And a questionable track record. We're only in the office for an hour. Every Wednesday. Come hang out. Solve a mystery. It's a podcast. It's a live show. It's a swell time. Subscribe Subscribe now! The producers of Mystery Time Live ask kindly not to take any advice or guidance of the host because they have no idea what they are doing. No mystery life will be fully solved. And that's individualized for any outside source or sheer one. You can find them live on the Twitch app and find their podcast later on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and iTunes. Listening may cause hurtful your death or loss of sanity. We are sorry. This is probably legally binding and you cannot do it. Hey there, Cyberpunks. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I just wanted to jump in here in the middle of the episode to thank you for listening, first of all, and thank you for sharing this with your friends and supporting the show in all sorts of the ways that you do, especially those of you who are patrons, patreon.com slash cyberpunklorecast. If you'd like to help support the show financially and get a bunch of rewards, you can go there and check that out. And also, this show is supported by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a wonderful way to get all sorts of cool stuff for way less than it would cost to buy it altogether. T-shirts, things to put on your walls, things to put on your desks, little figurines, things like that. And right now, you can click the link in the show notes and use the code ROBOTSRADIO, R-O-B-O-T-S-R-A-D-I-O, and make sure you click the link so they know we sent you. And if you do that, you'll get 15% off your purchase of some crates at Loot Crate. And go check it out. They've got all sorts of cool stuff, and they're constantly updating their selection of Loot Crates with all sorts of other cool things. So go check that out and save yourself 15% off. So thanks again for listening, and here is the rest of the interview. Enjoy. You know what's cool about some of those, I mean, just kind of a side note that just occurred to me, some of those locations out in uh, in the West, especially places like California, um, you know, it was known for the gold rush. There were a lot of these towns that sprung up in the 1800s, um, you know, cow- mm-hmm. cowboys and stuff. Um, and they sprung up around, you know, panhandling for gold and mining and those kinds of things. But then within a few decades, they became barren and, and they went away. So there are still locations you can find in in the West, which are just these 1800, you know, (laughs) buildings, basically, that used to be inhabited in these small towns that are just completely barren out in the middle of nowhere Um, to, to have a like a foundation of that be a location for nomads who are now, you know, in the future 
technologically advanced, but yet living in a, you know, uh, mostly destroyed old looking cowboy Western sort of environment would be this really interesting mix of flavors, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. There's a, there's a real mix of kind of old school, new school kind of uh, stuff to do with the world. Like the, the nomads, I think really, really typify that. And our nomad is actually, uh, uh, she she comes from a traveling circus. That's her nomad family, uh, and she actually rolled that on the table. Uh-huh. The life path table is that her nomad clan is a, is a traveling circus. So it's got this really old school kind of carny feel. But obviously, you know they they use tech projection instead of live elephants and right. and you know holograms and stuff. So again, it's this this mix of the the old and and the new and. Um, I also think it touches on something they, they've balanced really well in red is that it's not post-apocalyptic, but it has that feel because so much is kind of destroyed and abandoned. Um, as you say, you've got these kind of wild west towns, you know, and even the, even the, even more modern towns, kind of which have been modern towns have yeah. become these kind of these old school ghost towns as well. So um, yeah, I, I really like that, that balance between, between the old and the new. It, it reminds me a little bit of the kind of, uh, the retro futurism of Alien, in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those uh, topics that I think is really interesting, and I at least know in the U.S. and I don't know if it's the same way in Australia, but a lot of our smaller uh, towns, especially rural towns, have been struggling over the last few decades as mm-hmm. more and more people mm-hmm. move away from them. They become educated, they go away to college, they end up living in cities or just traveling and moving somewhere else. And a lot of these towns, they don't really have a reason for people to come back. Um, they're, they're not able to employ people the way that you, you can find jobs in other places. Um, mm. But being that we've gone through this pandemic, which is proving to a lot of companies that they can survive with remote workers and in, in a lot of cases mm. flourish because people are actually more productive when they work from home. That means that you could that trend could reverse people at some point could just choose where they want to live. And as long as they can work remote, they can live wherever they want. Um, yeah, it's, it's a possibility. I th- Australia, it's interesting you bring up Australia because our remote communities are, are really, really, really remote. We've got remote a, yeah. Yeah. We've got a gigantic country that is extremely dry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, just getting basic resources to people is, uh, can be a, a struggle. Um, but but on on cyberpunk, that idea that you know the rural towns are are kind of slowly dying in, in modern day, in in the law of, of of the cyberpunk world, that collapse kind of fully happened before twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, before any of the kind of history of the world takes place, the American collapse had already kind of completed, and those towns were all completely written off. And then what it becomes instead of like, you know, can we get people to the office? It's like, can we even drive safely across the countryside? <laughs> right, it's, right. it's just owned by go gangers and, and, you know, these, these violent crazies out there. Right. It's, it's the wild west again. Yeah. Nomads have this new role to fill where they, they are the ones who you go to, to get stuff moved around the country because the highways aren't safe. Right. Right. So, um, so you got this 
wagon trail kind of idea, I guess. Yeah, it's it's this neat. Uh, it, the more I the more I dig into cyberpunk, and then the more I study the the lore and the world, and and you know create the podcast as as I've been working through it, because I'm by no means an expert on these things. I'm I'm an explorer, the way so many of us are in this world mm. and, and trying to get, know more about it. And that's part of why I started the show is because it's a, it's a good reason for me to continue learning more. And, you know, if you can teach it to somebody else, then you learn it pretty well yourself. Um, yeah, we, we'd be, you know, we'd be experts by the time 2077 eventually comes out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. We'll, we'll know everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's one of those other concepts. I mean, it, uh, this world is so interesting because it does combine so many real world concepts and puts them in these juxtapositions and relations to each other. So this idea of like a wild West that is rewild, you know, is, is wild again mm-hmm. and it's post-apocalyptic, but it's not really post-apocalyptic. It's just, there are certain locations that are sort of post-apocalyptic because so much of that world has been absorbed and removed into other places. So you have, you know, the cons, the, uh, Consolation of power, consolidation of power around mm. specific locations, which became vacuums that sucked everything else out of other places. You know, um, it, it's and the unity of the country fell apart, making a lot of places have to sort of survive on their own as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of that going. Like interesting details of how that works, uh, playing into all of this, and I, I find it. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's endlessly interesting to. Uh, kind of think through i guess i could say yeah i think a lot of people don't uh, don't maybe realize as i i definitely didn't that you know through around all the hype of, of 2077 and and this amazing looking game by this you know dedicated company is that it's actually drawing on like 30 years of uh you know 30 40 years of world building you know it comes from a really uh, uh, well thought out, well fleshed out world with its own history, its own characters, and you know it's a labor of of love by Pondsmith. And I know that's very similar in a lot of ways to to The Witcher, which is mm-hmm. you know has its own literature, its own books, which are well loved, and and you know um, City Project Red have, have have drawn on that and and honored it, and they're doing very much the same with with the cyberpunk world uh it's not you know like they've just gone oh that's a that's a cool name we'll just kind of buy it off artos or in games no right. they've they've right. had pond smith over to poland the whole time and these there's you know tons and tons of, of stuff that that is nods to people who who know the world and invested in the world and what that means is we have this we're going to have this really intricate well-designed uh game rpg but it's going to be built on this this world which has all this history to it and i think people will feel that when they play that they'll feel that it's it's fully realized and and it has the weight of history behind it and i think that's that's why it's so interesting for people to to learn more about it is because it has been uh has been built up over such a long time yeah, I think one of the one of the phrases that's most important to works of fiction, especially uh, world building fiction, is internal consistency. Mm. Uh, a world can be fantastic and, and and amazing things can happen in it, whether it's magic or technology, as long as it's internally consistent. And I think that I think that uh, comparison to The Witcher is is a good one. Um, you have a world where there is magic and, and these forces of nature that you don't understand and 
creatures that are beyond our regular comprehension, but they're all internally consistent to the way the world works. And I think that's something that the Witcher shares with the cyberpunk world is that that internal consistency, this idea that if something is established as a reason why something is happening, then that is consistent across the series. If, um, you know, if you need to jack into something in order to, you know, manipulate it, then that's consistent. Uh, you know, there's limitations around what different kinds of characters or different kinds of technology can do because it's, it's consistent. It's not just, you know, this magical thing where there's, I don't know, things just fall apart because something yeah. doesn't work the way it should, you know? Uh, I think a good example of that is uh, Trauma Team. Uh, Trauma Team is something that, that was shown in that like 40-minute trailer that got people really, really excited. Right. Uh, and Trauma Team is something that's been in the game since 2020. It, it is a dystopian health insurance, essentially. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not just a game mechanic in in the rpg where you can get trauma team and it'll heal you when you've taken too much damage you know and and get you back on your feet no it's it's an established part of the, the world where you know corporations soar away to make money and and that is selling coverage by rapid armed rapid response teams for <laughs> right. when you take a bullet you know and and that's internally consistent you know oh, it yeah. makes sense within the world that that corporations see a niche and stay away to make profit and off they go. So yeah, I think, I think, um, that is, is, uh, it's definitely gonna be present all across the world. I think. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a really good example is that it's not just some sort of, uh, I don't know the right word for it. MacGuffin isn't the right word, but some sort of, you know, uh, fix for a gameplay issue Mm. that needed a fix. And so something was just invented. It, It was a, no, this is the way this world would work because of the way we've established the background of the world. So, of course, you would have a trauma team who was there to, you know, make profit off of <laughs> the needs of the people in a dire situation where terrible things like that happen. Mm. Makes a lot of God, sense. It's so good we don't live in a world like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not being gouged by uh, any corporate forces that are. Yes. Yeah, one of the things Jay pointed out that uh, was so smart um, was that. Uh, the influence of, of so much of this stuff actually comes from our own world and it's just kind of extrapolated yes. into this reality. But there, there really is a lot that's already happening in our world. That is just the, you know, the foundation for what happens in cyberpunk. It's a, it's a little, it's taken we, we, to an extreme, but it's, it's still, yeah, of course, still very grounded. Yeah, I think so. I, there's, there's been a kind of rash of articles uh, recently about like, why, why is cyberpunk still so relevant? Why, why do people <laughs> still so into it? Uh, and there's lots of convoluted reasons offered. And I think it's really simple is like, it's, it's the genre that is closest to the trajectory that we're currently following. You know, yeah. you see, yeah. you see footage out of Hong Kong, uh, you know, of, of people in masks with bow and arrows, you know, on rooftops. Yeah. You know, yeah. neutralizing tear gas in various ways, using lasers to to spoof facial right. recognition, and you're like, "Well, this is we're we're here. Hello, that's cyberpunk. Yeah. You know, why do you think this is popular? Because in many ways, stuff that's in the cyberpunk world is is very possible. You know, we we have cybernetic limbs. You know, we we're starting to get things like you know powered exoskeletons. Oh yeah, uh, totally." You know, we we it's not that far away. Right. Uh, Gover- governments think- are hacking social 
uh, systems on the internet oh, yeah, in order yeah, to yeah. influence people with propaganda. Like that is totally a thing. Um, and even themes like uh, the, the stuff that's happened in Portland recently. I don't know if you've heard of this, but um, oh yeah, the, the federal the, I, government. I do actually follow American politics. Yeah, so, yeah the federal yeah, government yeah. is throwing people in vans, in unmarked vans, in order to stop protesters. Like. You can't do that. That's that's dystopian. <laughs> like that, you can't do it's, that. It's a kid. It's Akira. It's it's like you know the latter half of Akira when people are on the streets and you know it's pitched battles. Like that's what it feels like sometimes when you see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. It it is it is becoming dangerously close to um, these projected realities that were fantasy at one point. Um, and yeah, and that's very disturbing. That keeps me up at night. But <laughs> we'll hopefully <laughs> come back from the brink of that at some point soon. Um, I don't know. Anyway, let's not, let's not talk, talk too much about reality. Um, well, what I will say though, is that the, what I think is really empowering about cyberpunk, both as, as, you know, hopefully as the, as the video game, but also as the role playing game is the ability to take part in some sort of change in the world is to be a punk and and that is, you know, the cyber part's really interesting, you know, cybernetic limbs and technology and hacking. But the, the punk part can't be kind of left behind. The the punk part is is really the soul of the um the game, I think. Right. Particularly twenty twenty, where it's like you you it's all about your attitude. It's all about, you know, sticking it to the man and saying, Yeah, sure, corporates rule the world, but that that's not gonna stop us. Uh, you right, know, rocking right. out and and getting our slice of the pie and making a difference uh, and and trying to change. That's right. The, yeah, standing up against the status quo and saying this is not good enough. I think so, and I think that 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 is an important thing to have in moments like this to say, like, you can, you know, determine the course of the future if you if you uh, are are driven enough. Uh, and I think that's what's interesting about Red as a bridging thing is that in 2020, it really feels like a bit futile, you know, necessary, but futile to stand up to the corpse. Whereas in, in Red, because of uh, the, the nuke and the semi-apocalyptic kind of nature, there is a bit more of a chance for people to, to uh, take what they want without the, the crushing boot of the, of the corpse, you know, on their, on, on their back. So. Yeah. Really interesting way of, of of framing the world. Yeah, it's a solid point. That's that that is interesting. Um, man, I would love to get in on a an adventure in Red at some point. That would be a lot of fun. Um, it's a really cool it's a really cool world. So I think we might we might kind of uh, explore it again. I think so. Yeah, we'll, we shall see. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me know if you're looking for any uh, extra add-in <laughs> characters or. You know, anybody to jump in in a future adventure, um, I'd love to consider doing that. I talked, I talked with Jay about it a little bit, and I was like, you know, I, I, I did a Dungeons & Dragons podcast for a while, and I completely understand the amount of work it takes to run an adventure, record it, edit it, <laughs> and, like, corral the cats, get everyone in on, you know, like, recording schedules, all the details that go into that kind of thing. It's a lot of work. Um yeah, and now I now imagine doing it remotely with a thirteen-hour time difference. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Maybe you can uh, you can be some sort of background ads or news reports or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's uh, it's a good thing that my sleep schedule is totally whack, and I'm I'm in the up in the middle of the nights, so um, it might actually work out. <laughs> but um, that's a very cyberpunk way to live. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, you, uh, 
then personal note, I, I get migraines and stuff, so I'm on these weird migraine meds, and it completely messes oh, with wow. my sleep schedule. But anyway, um, so so here's what here's what I want to know from you, and this is a question I ask a lot of people yeah. when I talk to them. With 2077 coming out, what character class and life path will you play first? Uh, so I I really I'm I'm a bit of a a proto anarchist myself. Uh, so I really want to be a, a street kid. I want to come up from the bottom uh, and kind of take the world, uh, you know, by the reins and, and, and show that, you know, from the lowest beginnings, you can, you can say, ah, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going to take my, uh, you know, take, take what's mine. Um, and I think, I think I want to give the net running a, a real solid go uh, to kick off with. Uh, I've had a lot of fun basing, feed the beast campaign around net running and, and that world. So I think that's going to be my go-to. Um, I, I like the idea of, of using the power of tech against its inventors. Yeah. Turning things around on them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why that combination I think works, works for me is, you know, street kid who, yeah. who, who learns to be Lee hacksaw, uh, and and um, uses that to sort of sort of a Mr. Robot kind of kind of deal maybe. Ah, you can call yourself Mr. Robots. Although Robots is my name, so, um, maybe I'll be Mr. Robots in the game, and I'll try the same thing. I can role play it for people. Uh, yeah. What about you? What are you doing? Uh, you know, you I haven't. That question I haven't decided. Um, and this is one of those things that, like, thankfully, I don't have to choose yet. You know, I've got some time. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're sitting at a character creation screen, like, huh? Yeah, and notoriously, I'll get like I don't know five, ten hours into a game, and I'll go, eh, but what if I start another character and I do this thing instead? What's that like? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'll probably end up restarting the game two or three times before I commit to one of them. Um, I have to say, I'm on my like third or fourth Witcher restart. So yeah, yeah, I you know I played through The Witcher three. I played through uh, a little bit of the first one, all of the second one, all of the third one. Um, oh, wow, nice. And uh, got through my Witcher 3 playthrough and, and ended up, and didn't know there were multiple endings, uh, ended up with the, what I thought, I guess, I think is the best ending. Um, oh, there you go. And, and having been, like, I am a, a father, uh, I have a daughter, I have a son, and because of, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't played the games, but there are, there are relationships that are fatherly in the game, right? Uh, and yes. some things do One main relation. Yeah. Yes. And, and some things do very much depend on decisions that you're making that you don't realize affects the way the end of the game plays. Uh, I think that's what's really interesting about the Witcher is that you don't always know that you're making a yes. important decision, right. which is how life is. Right. Um, exactly. It, a lot of games will go, Hey, this is an important decision right now. Yeah. You better think carefully about this important decision. Right. And that never happens. I wish it did. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you don't know, you don't know, you don't know how, what influence this little decision is going to have on your life 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, same way in, in the Witcher three, uh, there are very specific decisions you make in regards to things that happen between you and another character or things that are just happening with you and another character in the instance of something else going on that have profound effects on the way the end of the game plays out. Um, and you just know, you just know that's in 2077. Oh, it's gotta be. It's uh, like, the, it's got that to worked be, yeah. so well that, um, and, mm. and for me it was so effective because uh, like, I, and I think it's because it like validated that like you are a good dad <laughs> because, <laughs> because I made decisions the way I would have made them for my own child, um, in those yeah. moments. 
and I was uh, rewarded by a decision, but by, by reactions in at, at the end of the game. I don't want to spoil. It. I'm so I'm I'm like on the cusp of just saying stuff, but I don't want to say it. But um, to get back to Cyberpunk, yes, I really, really think that there are going to be things that we make decisions about in the game that we don't realize have as far-reaching effects. Um, you know, like there, there of course is going to be like the main story quest where this thing happens and like you got to get through it and you, you know, you finally blow up the thing and of course that moves the plot forward. But mm-hmm. there are going to be relationships you build in the world that come back around later, depending on the way you handled that relationship earlier in the game. Um, and I know there's going to be these, you know, that that classic kind of moral moral gray quandary side yes. quests as yes. well. You know, that thing that, that really f- fleshes out The Witcher 3 in particular, you know, where these side quests are like, you, you, you get to sort of the point of decision in them, and you're like, oh... Right. Oh, what is the right thing to do? Right. Oh, oh. Yeah. The, the, you might even need to like walk away for a while and be like, <laughs> huh, huh. <laughs> you know, and in a world that is that is so kind of morally gray and and so difficult to navigate, you know, it's going to be full of of all those decisions where you're just like, oh, oh. Yes. One oh, of the, I just learned something about myself. <laughs> one of the great things about The Witcher was that uh, the whole concept is you never know who the real monster is. Mm. And this idea that oftentimes people think the monsters are the actual monsters, but so much of the time it's the people who are the real monsters, but not Mm. always. And sometimes it's you because you handled the situation in the wrong way. And yes, there's like this trifecta of potential monsters in any situation. Um, (laughs) And and I think that that is probably a lesson that they learned in writing and learning from that world that can very well be brought into cyberpunk because it works for that world as well. You know, like Mm. are, are the punks on the street, the monsters? Well, it seems like it because they're rough and they're ready to shoot you, you know, but really things like boosters and stuff, you know, yeah. Are the corporates, the monsters? Well, maybe. You know, but are you the monster? Are you the one resorting to violence in order to do the thing that you know, like, like, and what, and you know, how far will you go to achieve, you know, whatever it is that becomes the big stakes. Right. And, in, and is it justified or not? It is, you know, do the, do the means justify the ends? Yeah. Cause we don't, we, we really don't know yet what the, the driving thrust in the story is going to be. Yeah. Right. Right. So that, oh, that's, I don't know. we're going to have to find out. That's a wonderful, like, Oh, is it this, is it this, is it this, what do you do? You know, like, I, I know we're getting a bit like, Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And when, you know, it's a bit <laughs> hype trainy, but you know, at least it's being made by a company that has form. They've oh, yeah. got, they've had it really intense uh, collaboration with, with Mike and with Artel Sorian, who have made this really fantastic world. And I think, uh, you know, what I hope people take away who are excited for 2077 from, from this chat, who, who maybe don't know the role-playing game so well, is that they are so rich, the, the old role-playing games. Red isn't out yet, but it's already a really cool, different world. But there are so many source books for, for 2020. Um, there are... Yes, yeah. Sure, the main the main core book has, has a few weird edges and the, maybe the mechanics uh, of the game are a little, a little outdated, a little janky maybe, but oh my God, the world of 2020 is so, so well-defined and, and there are a million splat books for it and there's so much there to build on top of. Uh, and so people like me who, who are fairly fresh to the world but are getting kind of 
steadily diving in a bit like you as well you know diving into the lore and history of this world are going to get a kick out of it and uh you know really old school fans of cyberpunk maybe you know played it back in the 80s they are going to lose their minds i think when they see all the different bits that have appeared and new people as well i think are just going to be blown away by by what the the story is itself um i think the the keanu reveal might be the kind of the uh kind of uh distillation of that where you know if you're just a average joe who's excited by a cool looking game you're like it's got keanu reeves in it that's amazing <laughs> right and if you're like a like an old school cyberpunk fan you'd be like oh my god that's johnny silverhand um right. who's the most famous rocker in the entire world right um, right so yeah, yeah i think yeah. it's gonna have all of that and re- rebellious people. too which is awesome you mm-hmm. know yeah mm. It's just and it's it's the right kind of feel for this moment as well, right? I, I try to remind people, like as as much as I'm excited about it coming out, and a lot of other people are. That's part. That's why they're listening to our shows, you know. Um, mm. It's I, I don't expect it to be a perfect game. What I what I do expect is that this is in this is a publisher I have watched for I don't know over a decade now. I, I've watched grow. I've watched make good role playing content and mm. continually gotten better and better and better at it that I have no reason to expect that they can't do that part of it well. And yeah. if they do that part of it well, I'm going to be I'm going to be ecstatic. I, they're also a developer I've seen release games and then fix things that the community has pushed back against and mm. and not charge people more money for it and not nickel and dime them for stuff. They they have yes. been consistently doing this correctly. So even if it comes out in a state that, you know, like, yeah, it took seven years to finally launch and all of these things, even if it comes out in a state where it's not 100 percent the where I want it to be, doesn't mean that it's still not going to be something that eventually will get there. Um, well, you know, people who are, if the people out there who are frustrated by by it being delayed, um, uh, you know, the question I ask about of, peop- of those people is, do you, do you remember how long The Witcher 3 was delayed? Yeah. Yeah, because it was quite a long time, and people don't really remember how long it was. Yeah, no, yeah, but there were still what things they do to remember it, and it wasn't yeah, perfect. Of course. Yeah, that's what happens when you take a game from internal and you give it to everyone in the world. They they break it. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, there's no way you, you can know. test something that big uh, enough to find all the things that need to be fixed. They're also, you know, like you can probably test it a bit more than Bethesda do, but yes, you can't right, test right. everything. Right? Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't, and and even like The Witcher Three, the um. The the way the character motion worked got revamped within like the first year. Um, so mm. like if you look at the settings, there's two different settings for character movement. Um, and that was due to people saying, you know what? I really like the game, but some of the combat and some of the movement of the main character feels a little bit odd. Uh, I just can't quite get it, you know? And so they, they went back mm. and they, they, they revised it and they offered people an alternate setup. If you... If you reinstall the game now and go through the opening sequences and play through, like, even just look at the menus, the options are very different than they were when it launched. Mm. Go, go back and look up a video from, like, I don't know, what was it, 2014, 2015? Um, when it, it was 2015 when it came out? Um, and look at the options in the game. Like, just watch somebody do, like, a, you know, like a let's play where they go through the settings. It, it looks different. Things things do not match one-to-one. Um 
so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a, a, maybe a little bit of a, a wanky artist here. I hope I can I can say wanky on your show. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, but but I, I I honestly believe that that they're they're approaching it as like an artistic piece of work. Obviously, they're making a product to sell, but I don't think that is foremost in their minds. You can t- see that when you when you play Witcher, that it's yeah. it's uh, about telling a story. It's about making a really interesting world. And, um, you know, artistically as well, you know, visually, it's really beautiful. Um, and and I, th- yeah, I think that's definitely going to come across as well. And and as, as I sort of am here to sort of try and bridge that gap between uh, tabletop and, and video game, you know, that's the, that's the philosophy that's in a, tabletop game as well is it's all about telling a story with other people collaborating to make a a little a little interactive piece of art right um right collaborative storytelling is uh, one of the Mm. best uh labels i've ever come up with especially when you're doing something like a uh, a role-playing podcast with where you don't want to railroad everybody right like your job as the as the um the game master as the referee or whatever you are in, in the <laughs> game it isn't to railroad them into one set of things and they just have to kind of find their way through it. It's to create a, an open palette of options and let them help decide where things go. Um, mm. and, and I find that to be one of the most unique versions of art. It's akin to sitting down with a bunch of musicians and jamming and not playing a yes. set piece. You're you, somebody starts playing something and somebody plays off of that and somebody plays off of that. And a, a, a good group of musicians can take a, a piece, you know, can sit down for 10 minutes and turn that into something that's artistic um, because they've, they, they know what they're doing. And, and I, I think that there's an art form there in the performance of that. And there's also an art form in there in the creation of the thing that allows for that to happen, like a game system or a video game in this case. So it creates this collaboratory storytelling, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, and just the production of a game itself as well uh, is is a a collaborative process. Yeah, sure, there are you know one person games out there. You know your Rimworlds and your your um, uh, your Stardew Valleys, and even they get help eventually when it grows too big for them. Uh, but yeah, the very production of a game itself, even a role playing game, you know, it takes multiple writers and playtesters. You know, coming together to to realize a a shared vision, um, uh, and that so so it's born r- right from the creation through to the playing. It all has this uh, collaborative feel to it. Uh, and if they can nail that, if they can if they can bring that to the table, you know, if it doesn't feel like a a mass produced, you know, uh, EA kind of cash grab, then we, we've we've got a really uh, a really great experience ahead of us, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a wonderful way to sum this all up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining me. This has been a this has oh, been a no really worries. thanks for having awesome, me. Awesome conversation. Um, I would love for you to be able to give everybody some info on where they can get a hold of you and check out your stuff. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the plugging time. 
Uh, yes, so uh, Baby Beard Media is the group I'm from, and our role-playing podcast is called Roll to Cast. Uh, that's R-O-L-E. Uh, we're on all the uh, good podcatchers and on Spotify as well. Uh, so if you search Roll to Cast, you'll definitely find us. Uh, we have three seasons. You've got first season's Cyberpunk 2020. Then we've got a great, a, uh, a great vampire game as well, and we're three episodes into our Cyberpunk Red uh full rules beta uh campaign as well so please please check that out if you are excited by 277 or yeah. by red yeah uh and if you look up baby Beard media we've got some other stuff as well we've got a youtube channel where we're starting to do some let's plays and we've got a future on podcast as well you can check out too so yeah come say hi to us awesome awesome yeah and i, I know uh this is a great place for people to jump in especially for your red campaign because you're only a few episodes in and uh unlike some role-playing podcasts your episodes aren't like two or three hours long they're not like entire no, play they're, actually, <laughs> they're actually only about half an hour this latest episode is only 22 minutes uh it's a very combat focused episode it's very very fast paced yeah so but yeah very, very little half hour chunks yeah like, so, commute friendly yes yeah so somebody who's just starting is going oh three episodes what is that like six hours no no it's like an hour and a half yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll drive to and from work and you'll be caught up so don't don't sweat it too much <laughs> Yeah, and if you want something bingeable, you know, there's there's like 18 episodes of the first campaign as well. So. Yes, yes. So very cool. Well, thank you for joining me, Phil. And um, no look, problem. Thanks I for having me. I look forward to uh, the rest of your campaign uh, on Cyberpunk Red, and we'll, we'll have to stay in touch. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. Great. Uh, um, so enjoy the rest of your evening. I hope you don't stay up too late. Um. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a good one. And Cyberpunks, uh, until next time. Stay safe in Night City, and I'll talk to you guys later. See you, Jumbus. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network, smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at CyberpunkLore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Myth is a podcast about the very soul of humanity. Join me each week as I explore stories from our history, from our mythologies, about what it means to be human. I'm your host, Tom, and Myth is available on every podcatcher anywhere. And if you're familiar with any of my other work, then you might realize that myth is like a lore cast, but for humans. Join me each week on Myth. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. 
I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And always remember... Swooping.